That's actually a pretty funny bit, though. Like you, you call someone to be a guest on your podcast, and you. you hey, can you record this for us? You ask them to yeah, do the not? whole recording. Yeah, can you make sure that we get good audio for this? <laughs> I can clean it up. And, and when they and when they seem confused, some music. Yeah, yeah, that would that would be great. Upload you it just to ask iTunes. them to produce your show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> we, you know, it'd be great to have a website too. If you can, yeah, <laughs> can you get on that, I can put something together. <laughs> <laughs> what a great bit! Um, all right, <laughs> well, uh, so is everyone recording now? Yes, yes, okay, that's great. Um, <laughs> because recently we discovered uh, a very surprising fact about CJ and Davey. But I guess we can wait. I mean, to get into it, sure. Until I, after we actually start the episode, are there things we need to tell Davy before we start the episode? Davy, how do you feel? How, yeah. how have you been? Have you been listening to Nerd Critic? Do you kind of know the yeah. gist of what we I do? I think I've got the the gist of it. But any uh, any tips or tricks you got for me? I'm I'm all well. Ears, I'd like but... you to I'd like you to know that we'll be leaning on you for this episode. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'd like to give you fair warning that uh, this is this is an episode that intimidates me a lot. <laughs> so I will be I will be grasping onto you like a drowning man. <laughs> all right, I will, I will do what I can. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Nerd Critic, a real contender production, which is significant today. Anyway, this is a podcast about big movies from the dual perspective of critical nerdiness. My name is Jordan. And I am CJ. Uh, Jordan is our studied and credentialed critic. And CJ is our resident nerd, and today we have with us a third voice, as we do sometimes, we invited a guest, a very, a very special guest named... Davey Morrison. Davey Morrison, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, I am Davey Morrison, and I am a very special guest on Nerd Critic this week, <laughs> and uh, I am very happy to be here. I listen to the show quite often, and uh, Jordan and I went to film school together, and are old friends, and we're, I'm, I'm here now talking to you. So hello, <laughs> and I mean I have to okay because so, well, yeah. yeah yeah it's so it's so weird to me because I am on the phone with you right now. <laughs> That's and true. I guarantee that there are people that are listening that are like, man, his voice sounds so familiar, uh, and it's because I know you, and a lot of people uh, listening probably know you as Santino uh, from our other real contender uh, production, Under the Citadel. Uh, so I'm going to, if I slip and call you Santino, <laughs> I don't think I should, but it might happen. So, I apologize. So, uh, I, this, so this to me, I, I had no idea that this was the first con like real time conversation between CJ and Davey because I knew that Davey was the star of another podcast that CJ has been producing yes. for years. <laughs> yeah. So I I just assumed that they had a relationship, but it turns out they don't. No, it is it is um, through a mutual comrade. Th this of is ours. so interesting because Davy and I Davy, when did we even meet? What oh, year man. was it? I don't was know. It, I, I'm I gonna started, guess it was like two thousand and seven or six. That would make sense. Seven. I started school uh 2006, fall of 2006, started the film program. Me January freaking 20, too. 2007. Oh no way! So we were there. Me at the freaking exact too. Same time. I think yeah. Were we the exact in, same time? So okay, so January 2007 was like your first semester in the film program. Is let me think. Right? Let me think. No, so no, because okay. I didn't get in. You were a semester ahead of me. I I was okay. 15 years old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. years old. So I, I didn't get in i i didn't get in i didn't get into film school in my first application so it took okay. me another semester to to get in because i was because because i was a bad filmmaker um, <laughs> i mean and, so was i, I. mean that's that is the literal that is the literal truth 
Um, and I was still a bad filmmaker when they accepted me into the film program, but I, I had also proven myself to be tenacious. Um, and so, yep. so we must have met shortly after I got into the film program, or maybe before. Anyway, Probably, 2007 yeah. is when we met, and that was Friends 13 oh, years ago. That's a long time. 13 a long time lasted years ago. Davey, you might be one of my oldest friends. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's might be the case for you too like and then cj and i meet like five years ago oh no four years ago oh no and three and a half years ago three and a half years ago (laughs) so fully 10 years later cj and i meet and and unbeknownst to me he is in the process of producing a podcast with you anyway (laughs) to commemorate the 10 year anniversary yeah Yeah. Uh, well, uh, enough of that. What are we here? What are we here to to talk about? (laughs) Davey, can you tell us what we're here to talk about? Because I forget. We are here to talk about the Irishman. Uh, yes. The 2019 film. The, is this, there's only one of them. Is this a, an off the shelf episode because it's been out for a couple months? It is technically as, it is, it is an off the shelf episode. Um, and, and particularly because, and you know, we've always said this is off the shelf, off the physical or digital shelf, but this one never left. It was never, it was always, it was born on the shelf, so to speak. (laughs) Yeah. So that's true. It's apparently coming to physical shelves. Uh, I guess it's slated for a criterion release at some point this year, along with a few other Netflix. Uh, joints. So, so good for them. Lots of good for lots them. Of shelves. See, that's why otherwise. we invited you on to this <laughs> show because you because you somehow know what Criterion is up to. <laughs> I would, I you could hold a gun to my head at any day of the year, and I will not be able to tell you <laughs> what Criterion is doing with its with its catalog. But that's great. So, I so I'm I'm actually really really curious because this is a movie. Uh, that we, as we try and dissect it from the nerd and the critical point of view, uh, there's a lot of movies that can exist in both spaces. This one I don't think can or does, I guess. I'm curious, did you guys like this movie? Well, okay. I'm going to, I just want to, I want to, I want to retcon just like one thing that you said, Okay. which is, I think that there, I mean, the Scorsese nerd is a very real animal. That's like a, like a, this is, this is not a fictional creature we're talking about. Yes, you're right. So in that sense, and, and, and I say, I emphasize this because I am not a Scorsese nerd and never have been. I've never been uh, like an outspoken fan of. Scorsese. I, I have sometimes been an outsc- outspoken critic of Scorsese. Um, and so I think that, you know, if we were to sort of, if we were trying to shoehorn the tenor of our show into this particular episode, I would say that there are people like comic book nerds who love something just because it's about the thing that they love. Yeah. Are very similar to Scorsese nerds who love Scorsese movies just sure. because they were directed by Scorsese. So I, I think that. that we need to get that out of the way. Uh, and Davey, I'm I'm sort of hoping that you're that person. But, I am but, that person. You know. I am the Scorsese okay, nerd in the conversation. So <laughs> that, that, will, that's, that's why that we invited bear. you. Uh, and uh, I'm 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 happy to know that you view yourself that way. All right. So sorry, I, I didn't so, mean to cut you off. No, no, you're fine. I the, did mean to cut you off, the, but now I'm finished cutting you off. So <laughs> the you question was purely, did you like this movie? Oh, that's right. Uh, well, I think we all know what Davy's answer is. <laughs> I mean, I, I assume it has to be yes. <laughs> My answer is yes. Um, <laughs> for the, let Surprise. the record show. <laughs> also, let the record show that this was Davy. We mentioned Davy potentially being a guest on the podcast, and he requested it oh, be yeah. about the Irishman. Oh, yes. So yes. it wasn't even like, hey, Davy, come join us for the Irishman. It's, hey, Davy, come join us. And he's like, can it be on the Irishman? There's right. a strong so. possibility that we wouldn't even be covering this movie without Davy. So anybody <laughs> out there who's grateful that this episode <laughs> is happening, you know who to be grateful to. And anyone out um, there who is upset about this episode <laughs> for existing, <laughs> I'm deeply sorry. Those people, those people need better things to be upset about because <laughs> nothing is easier. Nothing in the world is easier than not listening to a podcast. It's <laughs> <That's> very true. <laughs> I do it all the time, every day. <laughs> I, do, I do it with, with an almost infinite number of podcasts. <laughs> almost every podcast, every day. 
<laughs> um, so I, I feel like I'm hedging here. I did, I did enjoy this movie, but my first hot take, and we don't have to talk about this right now, but I do want to say right off the bat, this movie did not need to be three and a half hours long. Yeah. Okay. It didn't, it didn't need a to be. long movie. I, I did enjoy it. I did enjoy it. I, I enjoyed all of it. I didn't ever not enjoy it. I wasn't, this was not a movie that I, that I, uh. What, that ever that ever in the middle of it, I was just like, oh my gosh, Scorsese, which I have done in other Scorsese movies. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, this this is not a movie that made me do that, and I I really I really did enjoy it very very much. Okay, um, so so freaking so, how many minutes is that, CJ? Can you do the math? Um, it's too many minutes. It's That's too, the too answer. Many, it's <laughs> the three, math equals three and a half too much. hours <laughs> divided by math? minutes equals too many yep, minutes. That's it. Uh, okay, so Davey, I want to be I want to be the person that listens to this podcast right now because, um, I, like, a lot of people eat sushi and they really really en- enjoy sushi, and I can look at sushi and I can be like, I get why that's good. You're losing but a I'm lot of never, our fans right now. <laughs> ever going to eat that sushi. It's a dangerous thing to admit in public. <laughs> this movie, I know, it's a hot take Doesn't too. Sushi, click. <laughs> Uh, so this movie was like, I can understand why it's appealing, but I was so bored <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and I need that to know fair. why I watched this movie. So please share a perspective that is, that, that that makes is my me mission enjoy it. for this episode. <laughs> That's great. So give us your take. So I, th- I think the way that Jordan framed like, being a Martin Scorsese nerd is maybe a useful way to to talk about the movie because I think uh, I know you've talked about like auteur theory stuff on the podcast before, and I'm also usually the first person to like be extremely critical of that approach to looking at things. But I think that if there is a director right now in America who kind of embodies the original, like, intent, as I understand it, of, like, auteur theory in, you know, from French critics in, like, the 50s, then Martin Scorsese might be the person, because he kind of operates in the system that they were writing about, because sort of the theory behind that, sort of the thesis statement is basically... um, not even so much that like the director of a movie is the sole author of a movie, which is kind of how it's been, uh, you know, co-opted over the decades, but more so that some directors working in the Hollywood system uh, have a distinct enough point of view that they bring to bear on every movie that they uh, handle across like genres, across projects that they are. Uh, developed from the outset versus scripts that are brought to them, um, that the movies become interesting, uh, become extra interesting or, or additionally interesting within the context of that body of work because of that point of view that, that informs them. And I think Martin Scorsese is kind of one of the few directors who's still doing that in the same way where he's been making movies for what six decades now from the 60s <laughs> to the to he's starting a new one you know in the next few months however many decades that is 60s 70s 80s 90s 2000s 2010s 2020s i think that's seven decades um and you know has made he's known for gangster and crime movies, but he's made, you know, musicals, he's made, like, family adventure movies, he's made, like, period romances and biblical epics and stuff like that. But I feel like they all have a lot in common in terms of how uh, they seem to look at the world. And uh, and so I feel like... Um, if if you you know resonate with that point of view, then the movie's probably going to be interesting, and maybe you know uh, extra interesting if if you if, you know watch all those other movies that inform each other, um, 
And if you don't, then it probably won't be. But I feel like some of the things that crop up from movie to movie are he comes from a very devoutly Catholic background and grew up uh, wanting to either make movies or be a priest. And I feel like that sense of like morality and being interested in rightness and wrongness and also like spirituality, like transcendence and, and stuff like that is a big part of his movies. And I feel like also, uh, specifically with, you know, the, the crime movies, the gangster movies are sort of the most obvious place for this, but I feel like he's also very interested in, um, sort of communities and the, the things that you have to do sort of the codes of conduct within, um, being in a community or excluded from a community. And so I feel like the Irishman is, is very much, uh, sort of following that track that he's done with, with the other crime movies with mean streets and Goodfellas and Casino specifically, where they're all sort of these movies about organized crime, which is also a world that he was very familiar with growing up and had family involved in that and things like that and grew up seeing that around him a lot. Uh, and those movies have sort of this anthropological like interest in uh, the way that people behave and the way that they talk and kind of this like really codified form of speech where uh, in, in this movie there's, you know, that scene towards the end where Al Pacino's Jimmy Hoffa character, his fate is kind spoilers. of being decided. Yeah. Spoilers. Oh, yeah. Spoilers. Are, we're, we're in the, <laughs> are we in the no spoiler section? Have, Should I back that we, up? We, well, no, you don't. We can, we can go ahead and just say, this is the line we're drawing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> From this point forward, if you haven't seen it and you care about spoilers, <laughs> go see it and come back later. Continue, Davey. Spoiler alert. Jimmy Hoffa went missing in like the seventies or something. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) but yeah, there's, there's this scene, uh, that I think, um, is just kind of very representative of that genre and that, uh, and, and those things that he's interested in where the, the Robert De Niro, Frank Sheeran character, uh, has basically been told if, you know, Jimmy Hoffa doesn't get off our backs and stop doing what he's doing, then he's going to have to be killed, basically. But those words are never spoken. And, uh, and there's this great scene where he is tasked with, you know, talking to Jimmy Hoffa about that. And the, the line that he says over and over is, it's what it is. And, it, and yeah. I feel like that's uh, that world of um sort of not of kind of having to speak in code like that and kind of having to do everything a little bit in code um i think is maybe just something that people take interest in 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 some ways or or not like i think that's one of the things that makes the movies interesting um it certainly is i mean the 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 dialogue the dialogue in general i mean the acting the acting was just superb and it was really great to see this like this cast of people together again um uh, well i should say not not that they've all been together but you get the idea like we're yeah. we're seeing a lot of you know very familiar faces and very familiar kinds of roles and um in a story that it feels familiar um it does sort of feel like an anthology film of like this is this is you know a lot of pieces of his previous work, but like the way the dialogue is written, it is when I, when I said I was, I was never bored because of that, because of the way that the, the characters talk to each other. And then if you're paying attention, it's so interesting to see the subtle shifts in power back and yeah. forth, back and forth in every scene. And each, each, uh, you know, each dynamic is so unique and, and it's so, um, it's so certain. It's so sure footed. So, you know, you never get the sense that the writer 
is just sort of writing around the problem and not knowing how to get to the next place. It's 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 very very deliberate. It's very controlled and it's very it feels very authentic, um, which is uh, which is really interesting. Um, I have to make a couple of comments. Um, your point about French auteur theory is really important because we have talked about auteur theory many times on this show, and I think that when I'm railing against, I know, I know that when I'm railing against auteur theory, what I am actually railing against is the Americanized, bastardized yeah, version agreed. of auteur theory. <laughs> I, I, and I, I fully acknowledge that, and I'm maybe I'm too far removed from my my actual sort of critical studies classes in my undergrad and grad school to um, to to readily remember and and acknowledge that the original French auteur theory isn't that bad. <laughs> it's yeah. like, it's just, I'm not it, it actually has some that. good. So I could be getting stuff wrong, but yeah. I, but I, I mean, I think that there, I think that there's real merit you. to those theories, especially because they, mo- they definitely applied to the time and place uh, of the industry at, at that time. But, um, and, and you know, when people talk about our tours now, I don't think that there's, there's a, a ton of similarity between what people mean when they say our tour now and what they meant when they said it then. So that is a really important distinction. Yeah. And I'm totally with you on, on railing on kind of what that term tends to mean now. Cause I, I don't think it means much, but, but yeah, I think that it is, um, I don't know. I think that's a useful way of uh, looking at Scorsese's movies specifically because I feel like he moves around in genre Certainly. a lot and things like that. Um, but there, there's kind of these thematic uh, true lines that, uh, and and I feel like The Irishman specifically is this movie that kind of feels self-consciously a little bit like. Uh, a culmination of a lot of the things that he's been doing for, you know, however many decades. Yeah. Um, where yeah. it's, and yeah. when, when I was, when I was watching the Irishman, I was having this very kind of interesting feeling because there's, there is kind of the two sides of me is this, I feel like this movie splits the nerd and the critic in, in within me pretty well. Uh, because I could, I am watching this movie and I am recognizing that this movie is being made by an absolute master of the craft. Like every, every single thing that the acting was, was bonkers. I, um, I didn't see this. Uh, I didn't see this before the Oscars. Uh, and I always, I just kind of assumed that like, you know, Pesci, Pacino and De Niro were all nominated because they've been around forever. And if you're going to nominate anybody, that's a good person to nominate. But I totally understand the nominations now because they were superb, but also like the camera movements, uh, the, the dialogue, the writing, the way the story breaks down, uh, the character arcs, like I can, I can dissect it. And if I were to ever teach a, you know, a film class, this is likely a movie that I would dissect and, and kind of break things down because they are fairly obvious, but I don't know why I was so bored because, yeah. because there were some moments that were like with CGI and everything where like Robert De Niro is supposed to be beating somebody up and you're like, wait a second, yeah. <laughs> you're moving like, you're almost 80, <laughs> but your face says that you're not, I wouldn't really be scared of you. And so there were some moments that like the, you know, the action or the emotional highs, uh, were missed for me and they weren't really that high. And so I got bored and I don't want to have gotten bored. I well, want to like okay. sushi guys, but I just don't. <laughs> well, okay, well, uh, let, let, let's 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 back off the sushi analogy for a second here. <laughs> I because feel like it's amazing. We, re- I mean, it, no, it's it's good. It's good. It's, it's a good. perfect Although analogy. I think you should thank you. you should, thank you, Dave. You, you probably well, shouldn't yeah. keep reminding people that you don't like something <laughs> that they love, um, <clears throat> because everybody loves sushi. But mostly, what people love is fried food. Anyway, That's um, true. so I love uh, fried food. I just had sushi for dinner tonight. So there you go. Was That's it the was it real between. sushi or was it like fried rolls of rice? Oh, it was fried rolls of rice. Yes, absolutely. Oh. <laughs> I mean, that's, don't 100%. get me wrong; it's delicious. It's, that's delicious. I'm glad you admitted to that. But uh, but yeah, that's a real thing. Anyway, okay. So, uh, but I, 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 we, we've got to, Davy. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to mount a defense for this movie's length, and 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 yeah. So. Because because my my one response to you, CJ, is that you were bored because it was three sure. and a half hours yeah. long, which is which is not 
fair. It's it's not really so it's not it's not to really take that much of somebody's life. No, it's not. And 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 it's also it's it's an it's kind of it's one of those things that it's only it's only three and a half hours long because it was made for Netflix. Like this is to me, it feels like Martin Scorsese being very indulgent, sort of on purpose. Like he just knows, oh, I can make this movie however I want. What I would like to make is a is a movie that is just as long as it needs to be, which is um, I'm not going to name any names here, but I had I you and I, Davey, both know a professor in our uh, undergrad days who was fond of uh, of of making that defense for longer student films. Well, well it just needs it just, it just it should be as long as it needs to be, mm-hmm. which I think is such a and no offense to this guy because he's actually one of my favorite professors, but. That's such a cop-out. It's such a cop-out. That is not the way you make movies. And if this movie had been made by uh, another studio and released in theaters, it absolutely never, ever, ever could have been three and a half hours long. Maybe a director's cut down the line, three and a half hours. Great. Scorsese, super fans like you, Davey, would just eat it up and be super excited and they'd sell more copies. Great. But for the theater, for the general audience, for, honestly, the sanctity of the medium of filmmaking... (laughs) Like film, film, like popular film, which this is a, you know, hundred million dollar movie. This is a popular, this is like, a, this is a, uh, this is a pop culture movie, regardless of how highbrow Scorsese is as a filmmaker. If you make a movie that is three and a half hours long, you have broken the contract with your audience, with your, with your non super fan audience. And so I say to this movie, you did not have to lose anything and be two and a half hours long. Or two hours long. I don't think that this movie... I absolutely do not think this movie needed to be three and a half hours long. So, so I would are, like... Are you claiming that if it was shorter, I wouldn't have been bored? I... That I, is what I believe. I, You know what? I actually might agree with that. Yeah. I um, I mean, I'm totally sympathetic to that argument. And I think that's a totally valid argument. Um, I mean, I feel like what I would say is in defense of a three and a half hour movie is that, uh, I mean, I, I, I think being bored by it is, a, is also, is, you know, is a completely understandable and completely fine response. Uh, Jordan, you said that your experience watching it was like, that you felt like it could have been and maybe should have been shorter, but that you were never bored watching it and were always engaged watching it and that was that was kind of my experience I, i've seen it a couple times um how and, how in the you're world the, you're, the, you're almost the same age as me i don't understand how <laughs> <laughs> do you not I've, sleep i've got a i've got a hermione from harry potter device One of those time turner <laughs> time turner that i yeah. use exclusively for long uh for, for scorsese movies. for the irishman and lawrence of arabia and that's about it. <laughs> um, but I, you know, here's the thing, though, is I think you could mount a better case for Lawrence of Arabia being three and a half hours long because that movie uh, has a lot more ground to cover. Frankly, I mean, this movie, this movie on purpose takes its time with like every scene. It does, you know. Yeah, and I think like, that's a, with every scene. Yeah, I know it's deliberate. I know it's deliberate, and mm-hmm. so it, and that and I, I I find it I find it more frustrating because it feels like there's a sort of a there's a kind of a lack of respect for anyone who isn't already like a Scorsese insider. Like Scorsese is saying, sure, Netflix, I'll take your hundred million dollars and I'll make a movie for this small subsection of like my fan, my actual true hyper fans. And that's it. And that this, th- that's who this movie is going to be for. And maybe ne- and Netflix is probably fine with that. Cause they, you know, whatever they're a bunch of Oscar nominations and yada, yada, yada. But like, there's still a real thing going on where there's a ton of people who like are just never going to watch this movie strictly because it's however many minutes we decided it was three times six, 209. Is, is that 210 it? minutes? Yeah. Something like that. Wait, what? Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. So yeah. that's, yeah. I love that. We're like, Hey Davey, come on our podcast. Now dance for us and tell us why it should be three hours. Long. <laughs> Go. <laughs> the, the thing that I thought watching it, I've actually seen it three times, I'll be honest. <laughs> okay. 
Um, it comes out. <laughs> partly because we were going to record this episode earlier, and so I watched it again, and then I was like, uh, I should probably watch it again, because now we're recording it, um, <laughs> which is good. In fact, you're of, watching it right now. It was, yeah, I know. I've got it on in the background. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I agree necessarily that Lawrence of Arabia has more ground to cover because i mean this movie is covering you know about half a century of like u.s history through the eyes of like three people which is a pretty i don't know it, it's an interesting thing that the movie is doing i feel like because it is this big historical epic that is much smaller in a lot of ways than a lot of Scorsese movies like it's it is you know the scenes do go on for a while and it is like mostly just these handful of people hanging out like in rooms talking to each other um <laughs> that's kind of the movie so I, I'm doing a great job of of uh selling <laughs> listeners on watching this movie um sold but- <laughs> all right join us next week for <laughs> But I also feel like, uh, you know, you say the pacing is deliberate. And I think it, you know, I do, I do think it, that is worth digging into because I feel like part of what is deliberate is, uh, is giving room for those characters and for that big canvas and for, yeah, again, kind of that anthropological level of detail that creates the drama and also creates the humor and all the other things. But I feel like also, especially as it gets into like the last hour of the movie, it's creating the space to just kind of, uh, sit there and, uh, look at the things that it's really looking at. Like the, I mean, it's, it's, uh, like Goodfellas or casino or something like that. It has, you know, all that kind of, voiceover explaining the process and kind of these fast-paced scenes early on getting us into the world of the mafia and things like that but then it's the last like 30 minutes of the movie is like old silence yeah robert de niro like in a wheelchair and nobody loves him and he's gonna die (laughs) and like i feel like you kind of need space for that to work and that's not gonna work for everybody um not everybody is gonna find that interesting but i don't think that's necessarily a good enough reason not to do it you know what i mean like i think sure uh like i think that's true of any movie that's not gonna work i think i think those are i think those are those are reasonable arguments um and i and i and i do and i think that's actually a pretty good um description of what's going on my my question my next question for you davy because this also this movie didn't seem to me to be very to be very complicated or Mm -hmm. fresh like there wasn't really anything i mean okay so at the end of the day if i'm being ungenerous which sometimes it's really fun to be um (laughs) true if i'm if i'm being if i'm being ungenerous i would say that the theme of this movie is that ultimately, if you live a life of crime, you'll probably die alone and unloved. The end. Right? Like, this is not something that surprises anybody or or that makes people sort of, like, step back and reconsider their decisions. Like, this is, like, this seems to be... I, I think if I was... Because I wasn't... Because of the way... Because that Scorsese is, is a really good filmmaker... And he's a good storyteller, and the actors are really, really good, and the scenes were really well written. I wasn't bored, but also by the end, I was like, I'm not sure what I'm coming away with that doesn't feel sort of used already. Like, it was like finding an old sweater in your closet and being like, this is really inoffensive to me. But that's all I have to say about it, you know? Like, it's just, it doesn't feel, it doesn't really feel like there's anything going on in this movie that is that like needs to be told. You know what I mean? So like I'm wondering if there's a if there's if if you have a case for this where you think, you know, actually the fa- like this movie really like what is the x factor of this movie that like sort of makes it something worthy of 
people's attention generally, which I think every movie on some level really to earn the like a certain kind of respect from the critics in us, right? Has to like has to has to earn its way, right? It has to it has to mean something. It has to be trying to do something that's that 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 make that is important on some level. Even if it doesn't a hundred percent succeed, like the effort, right? So like what is this movie trying to do that makes it sort of deserve to exist that hasn't been done before by Scorsese himself or someone else? So that that's the question. I think it's a really, really long-winded and meandering question, but I think you get the gist of it. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I think it's a good question. Um, and I don't know, for, for me, there are a couple of responses. One of them is kind of questioning that premise a little bit because I think like most movies that that I can think of aren't really saying something that I haven't heard said before because I think there are only so many things to say but are saying them in a way that like makes the thing that is being said feel like fresh or powerful in a in a new way or yeah i mean i agree with you yeah absolutely i agree with you like you know we 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 can say over and over again you really you there there isn't anything new to say but it's about ways of saying things and and perspectives and i guess what i'm talking about here is just whatever whatever special alchemy there is that kind of gives us an essence of a movie that feels like it makes it worth existing what is that for the irishman yeah. And the thing that for me feels very different about The Irishman uh, compared to the other crime movies that Scorsese has made is like, is the, the perspective of who's telling the story and how that informs everything about how the story is told and what the story is. Because I think that, yeah, a lot of this stuff, like Goodfellas is very much also a movie about hey don't like join the mafia it's a bad idea (laughs) it's but it's told from uh the perspective of a very different character who gets involved for very different reasons um and has a very different uh arrives at a very different place i think um and i think a lot of that has to do with uh, who the characters are, but also the age, just the age of the people making the movie and and the characters in the movie, where this is a movie about, that to me is not so much about uh, crime or gangsters necessarily, as it is a movie about an old person looking back on their life and, like, justifying their poor decisions to themselves, you know, that they haven't fully learned from, um, seeing, like, uh, feeling a sense of, like, regret, I think, without being able to ever, uh, like, he never, he never apologizes to, to anybody at the end of the movie, and I think that's a big part of the last act of this movie, is there are these scenes where he or or he gives the, there's this scene between him and one of his daughters um there's the daughter played by Anna Paquin um as an adult and uh who's who is kind of the um I don't know kind of serves as the not even the conscience but Almost like She's the eyes sort of, of moral, God a little moral bit. foil. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then there's an, a scene with another daughter where Robert De Niro's character in his old age goes back and is kind of apologizing and saying, you know, I, I did a lot of things to, you know, protect you kids from thing like it's, it's a hard, scary world out there. And I, I know I wasn't the best dad, but I did a lot of things to protect you. And she just keeps asking, like, like, what things are you talking about? Like, and, and saying, like, 
this stuff didn't help us. Like, we were afraid to talk to you about our problems because we saw the, you know, we saw what happened when, when we did that. You know, we yeah. see what happens is he beats people up and stuff like that. Um, and his response is always kind of, you know, he doesn't really have an answer to that. And I feel like that yeah. last act, especially of, of someone looking back, uh, you know, on a whole lifetime and being in kind of this lonely place, um, and sort of not being fully able to own what got him there, uh, is to me what the movie is is about and what is powerful about about the movie and and right. yeah different to me about the movie so so it's my turn to hop on the yeah. love of this movie train all right <laughs> so welcome uh, aboard yeah thank you um, but before you do <laughs> okay go ahead just uh, I have a rhetorical question for Davy so Davy okay. you don't need to actually answer Ooh, this yeah. but my my rhetorical question for you Davy is whether uh, this if, is whether this movie is an allegorical autobiography for Martin Scorsese himself. Anyway. <laughs> okay. So on the, um, so the big moment of the last act, kind of what kicks off the last act, right? Where, um, spoilers, Frank kills Jimmy, mm-hmm. right? From that moment forward, I loved this movie. Uh, the problem was that that point came well after two hours, in, or three, three hours, hours yeah. into this movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, but at, from that point moving forward, I was really into it, and I really, really enjoyed. It. And it was it, the pacing of like you're with old Frank or you know really old Robert De Niro as he's in a wheelchair. He goes and you know he picks out his own coffin, uh, and he like like you know bargains with the guy for his own his own coffin, and the conversation with his daughter uh, where he doesn't apologize. Um, and then you put that with him showing pictures of, of, uh, you know, to the nurse and she's like, who's that? And he's like, you, you don't know who Jim, you don't know who Jimmy Hoffa is like for real. Um, you know, kind of showing like, Hey, these people that were so important to you in your life are gone and nobody remembers them. So it's a question of legacy and right. There's all there's, so it was really interesting uh, and I really, really enjoyed it. And the biggest, like the end shot of him in the wheelchair in a dark room zooming out Ugh. was uh, was really haunting. But the what I took away from this movie was the question of does Frank actually legitimately regret where he is now? Does he actually think that he is alone and dying and he regrets the situation that he's in? Or does he think of it as he was the ultimate loyal person? Yeah. yeah. And the, the way that this culture and society was constructed caused him to be the ultimate right-hand man. Yeah. And him mm-hmm. outliving everybody and, like, guiding them to both Jimmy and uh, Russell kind of guiding them to their death is is like the ultimate uh, service that he could possibly provide. So does he actually regret all those decisions or would he have done it again? And the conversation with his daughter kind of poses that question where he's like, no, it was all for your protection. And it's like, what was for our protection? And he won't say it. He won't say it just like he wouldn't say that he was actually going to go kill anybody. Yeah. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's I did some research into the into the guy into uh, Frank Sheeran mm-hmm. um, and he legitimately did take all of these secrets to the grave. He was approached several times even because this book this is based off of a book. Yeah. So an interview for the book, he did talk about some of it, but he refused to talk about uh, the biggest questions and uh, around Jimmy Hoffa's disappearance and all of that. And he took it with him to the grave. And I it, this movie kind of asks the question, is Frank proud of himself yeah. in the mm-hmm. situation in, in the in his last days? And maybe the big thematic question is, um, and this is this is becoming I haven't watched this movie three times. <laughs> um, so I this is it's taking this conversation to kind of get me here. But I'm, I'm wondering if like if, if, you know, the question I posed to you, Davey, about the sort of essence or the the ultimate uh, kind of 
sticking point for this movie. Maybe maybe this is the exploration of the question: Is loyalty just a crummy virtue? Yeah. Um, Which is which seems to be a really important question to ask in uh, to quote or to refer to CJ's uh, comment just now um, in in our current climate culturally. I'm just going to come out and freaking say it. So Donald Trump was impeached, right? Like he was impeached by the house and then he's acquitted by the Senate. And the only Republican to vote for his impeachment was Mitt Romney. And he is going to be vilified by Mm -hmm. his party um, because he failed to show loyalty. And that to me seems to be a really interesting point for our incredibly, incredibly polarized, viciously divided country, is what what is, at the end of the day, at the end of your life, what is loyalty worth? And that, um, I think that's probably, if you were going to, I don't know that that question justifies three and a half hours, but I think it might justify the movie. Yeah, I think that is fundamental to what the movie is and i think i think there's you know there's probably a version of this movie that you know could play at two and a half hours for sure um but i don't know watching the movie again like really does kind of reveal every scene in this movie does move that story forward like yeah they have to set up a lot in these in the relationships between which is crazy because it really is almost a three-hander kind of a movie like there's a big cast there's you know a lot of scenes like it spans decades but it's primarily the robert de niro character jimmy and russell yeah exactly that's the whole movie and uh and it takes you a while to like you you it takes a while <laughs> the first hour of the movie basically is is getting to a point where uh Robert De Niro and the Joe Pesci character have the kind of relationship that they need for the movie to work the next hour yeah. is basically getting you to a point where <laughs> Robert De Niro and Al Pacino and Joe Pesci have the relationship between them for the movie to work and the rest of the movie is what happens after that between those as those loyalties divide. Because uh, basically it's it's this guy, Frank Sheeran, who's coming from World War II, and he talks repeatedly about like being a good soldier, like being yeah, you know, yeah. literally a good soldier for, you know, General Patton and and killing people because that is what he was ordered to do. And then he gets into, you know, pretty quickly after that this world of organized crime where he is still a good soldier and it is that idea of loyalty like he's he's doing this stuff because it's a job uh and yeah he sees it as a job to provide for his family and also because of this loyalty that he has to these uh these people and then when the tension arises between uh, Jimmy Hoffa and Russell Buffalino, the, Joe Pesci, um, you know, it becomes a question of where where does that loyalty lie and, and what decision does he make to whom? And, and then it's the end of the movie. And to to your point of, uh, you know, if, if Martin Scorsese had a, uh, a childhood or an upbringing where he was both Catholic and you know involved in, is was near organized crime. There, that is something. I think it's human nature in general, but specifically, if you're if you're talking about loyalty and how the roles that loyalty plays in both of those organizations, you know that's really significant. And and they're they're at odds with each other. They're always at odds with each other, right? You. Uh, and, and so if that if that is something that he's bringing into the movie, he does, you know, he does really well. The fact that they uh, at the you know, the at the end of this movie, the Russell character and Frank are now suddenly meeting with a priest and praying. And it was kind of, it was somewhat whiplashy for me because it seems, you know, somewhat hypocritical. But like this idea 
of of loyalty and doing and doing the you know doing the bidding for somebody because you're loyal to them is consistent throughout the movie uh and so anyway i just it's interesting to see uh you talked about davy you talked about him scorsese's uh themes throughout a lot of his movies and i haven't seen every scorsese movie i've seen uh probably definitely less than you uh, but more than the average person. Uh, yeah. But this idea of loyalty is actually, that's exciting for me to take away from this conversation because now I can go back and kind of apply it to other movies and see see the th- the through thread uh, throughout his other movies. I yeah. kind of want to record a whole episode on a podcast that absolutely wouldn't be Nerd Critic <laughs> about, about how crappy of a virtue loyalty really is and that the people who extol the virtue of loyalty the loudest are the people who are exploiting those who are loyal to them yes um it's definitely not nerd critic no but (laughs) this is interesting because because we can we can look back and we can say you know who who did frank sheeran's loyalty serve and it served like it didn't serve frank sheeran no (laughs) that's for sure didn't serve his family it didn't, didn't serve his family. It, so the people it served uh, wound up dead um, <laughs> eventually. But, like, they got they kind of got what they wanted from him, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, Russell Buffalino uh, gets everything he wants from Frank Sheeran. Mm-hmm. Like, Russell Buffalino uh, is, you know, I mean, anyway. So, yeah. It, 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 so yeah, I think I think I think that is I do. So my I I would if I was concluding this podcast in less three, than three and a half hours, I would say <laughs> that uh, that this that that loyalty really is the sort of the 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 nexus point or the the really valuable kind of uh, thing to explore in this movie. And I think this movie does have really important things to say about it. And it did take this conversation to get me there. And I really do appreciate that. But I'm sticking by my line that this thing could have been well (laughs) under three hours and still accomplished everything that it accomplished. I think the only reason that it took its time the way it did is because it could. And I don't think that's a good enough reason to be this long. So um, because because ultimately, here's the other thing that's frustrating, right? Like I would say if 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 we have we have determined, as we do, uh, finally and with authority... (laughs) that this movie deserves to exist <laughs> and that it's valuable in the world of cinema, then we are also making the case that uh, that people should see it, right? People should see a movie if it's valuable. Like, the more people that see a movie that is relevant and, and has important things to say that will, that will hopefully, at least in some cases or at least in small ways, shed light on their own lives and their own issues. Like, I mean just to put a finer point on it, maybe the whole problem is feeling like you have to decide who you're loyal to loyal to. And that that's, that's the ruinous paradigm. Anyway, that seems really important. But if your movie is three and a half hours long, you're the, the number of people who are going to be watching this and thereby being influenced by it is so much smaller. And that, that is that's that's the reason that it upsets me. Not because I personally had a bad time with a three and a half hour movie. I didn't have a bad. I had to watch it in two parts because I don't have three and a half hours in a sitting ever in my life. Yeah. But uh, but you know I was fine with that. But like most people are not going to watch it because it's that long, and that to me is very very frustrating. Yeah, I I think that's a fair point. Um, I I think I don't know. I feel like it's a, it's a strange. Thing because virtually any season of any TV show runs much longer than that and is often, you know, watched in as many sittings as, as people <laughs> watch The Irishman with Netflix. Yeah. That's true. But, but, but it's it, true. Like, it's, packaged, it's packaged in a way that exactly. makes it way more consumable. Yep. Mm-hmm. So if this was made into a miniseries, I probably wouldn't have any complaints at all. But it was made as a movie by a guy... Who is known? He's like one of the most famous filmmakers of movies ever, and so uh, you know, I mean, I would have been totally fine, and I think everyone would have been totally fine if he decided to go in to Netflix with this as a miniseries. Um, but you know, that's not the choice he made, and he he wanted it to be a movie, a film, and as such, I think it's it, on that level, kind of a failure. 
because so many fewer people are going to see it. All right. So, David, do you have any? Uh, <laughs> My final you, word is that this movie is a. That's not. That's <laughs> not what I want to. That's not where I wanted to conclude. So, Davy, please. Well, I was uh, going to see Davy. Is there? Is there? Uh, so, I have made the argument that this movie is somewhat boring, although <laughs> uh, has some some great things to take away. Uh, can you give us one last pitch of why people should watch this movie? I mean. I I mean I feel like a lot You're of like, this. I stuff, don't think it's boring. <laughs> I mean that's kind of what it comes down to. Is like <laughs> I mean it, a lot of it is you know just personal taste kind of stuff, and so so it is hard because like uh, because ultimately I think it is a movie that like if you don't like other Scorsese movies, this is not going to be the one that sells you on that. <laughs> And if you don't <laughs> that's, like, that's, true. that's a good point. You know, and and if you don't like, I don't know. If if you don't want to sit down for a three and a half hour movie, this is also not going to be the movie that sells you on that because it is like a very sure. deliberately paced. Uh, although although it is like I think also just like a consistently, I don't know. If if you if you do get into it, I think it's just like a consistently very entertaining movie because it's you know it's funny and it has like suspense and like and just great dramatic scenes like on a scene-to-scene basis I think you kind of got to that Jordan it's you know just a collection of great uh, scene writing you know and great like uh just kind of this chamber piece of great scenes between amazing actors and stuff like that. So I think yeah. uh, if you do get on its wavelength, it's weirdly like one of the most like fun, entertaining <laughs> movies uh, that is also like a meditation about death and morality and mortality that you can probably find. Um, but it's also like a three and a half hour uh, movie about like eighty year old gangsters. So like if that yeah. appeals to you, then <laughs> you're gonna like it. And if it doesn't, <clears throat> then you're probably not. But it might. But you might and might still be yeah. you know worth your time I because I do should... think it has important things to say, and I do think you know it's um, like you've both said. Like I mean, I think any Scorsese movie is kind of just a master class in using the tools of filmmaking yeah. uh, to do exactly what he wants to do. And, and I think also this movie um, is worth noting is kind of less flashy than a lot of his movies, because I think it's taking the perspective of sort of a less flashy character than someone like, which Goodfellas I, which I do appreciate. Like I do appreciate. That. And I, I, I didn't, I don't think I wanted a, I was happy yeah. with, the style of the movie yeah, overall. I didn't mm-hmm. want it to be punchier. I didn't want yeah. to have, I didn't want more action or more comedy or more. I didn't want more pandering. I just, I wanted mostly, I wanted to be shorter. So more people see it. Uh-huh. And so I guess I will say, um, and, and I wanted to be shorter so that I'll see it again. Cause right. the, uh-huh. the likelihood that I'm going to go back and rewatch this movie is so, so low. Yeah. It's so low. And it's not because I have anything, any problem with it. It's just because if I'm just doing that subconscious calculation of time, I'm thinking I've got a lot more episodes of Bojack to watch. <laughs> right. and, and, and so it's just, it's really, yep. it's really hard to justify that kind of commitment. And so, you know, if it was less than three hours, it was two and a half hours or so, or around there. I, I I think that there's a strong likelihood of any Scorsese movie. I'm probably going to go back and watch this one again. But yeah, I just I don't think it's going to happen. Anyway, yeah, I will uh, say yeah to our listeners, if you're still listening and you haven't seen the movie, which it turns out CJ, a lot of people are actually listening to our whole episodes before they see a movie, to, yeah, just to decide whether I mean, just to see mm-hmm. how they feel about going and seeing the movie. So if you're one of those people, uh, I I think you should give it a shot. I think you should just sit down. Turn it on. Tell yourself, if I run out of time, I'll turn it off. I'll come back to it later. Just yeah. treat it. Treat it like a TV treat, show. Treat it like a TV show. And also, mm-hmm. start you, watching it. 
I mean, if you if you it's like, it's not a hard movie to follow. It, it, no, not yeah. at all. If you like De Niro and Pacino and Pe- oh, you're, like, you're gonna like, you're it. gonna love yeah. this movie. So it's a on, great, in addition oh, man, to yeah. the director, yeah. like if you all like, of them were my favorite that I've ever seen them. All uh, yeah, of them. I was yeah. gonna say if you They're, if you mm-hmm. if you like seeing if you liked De Niro at his peak. It's like a return to you're, form. You're gonna have you're gonna have a, you're gonna it, have a good time. It was fantastic. Yeah. This so. isn't this isn't meet the Fockers. Yeah. Anyway. So, uh, <laughs> Davey, thank you so much for uh, joining us and for sharing. I think that you actually did uh, frame an argument that uh, that brought me and Jordan a little farther onto the uh, love of this movie than we started this conversation. Absolutely. With. So well done. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah. I'm glad you deserve <laughs> some sort of award. Yes. Uh, <laughs> But we can't give you anything because you're not actually in the room with us. So <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, I'll accept it. Are you still there? Yeah. Yeah. He, can, he, can you can you not hear him? I can I can hear him. Still you can't. Uh, okay. I am. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. My, I can I can my, hear you, David. My Davey. connection is a little. Yeah. We've got well, a bit of we've got a bit of a janky setup here. We, I don't know. If, I don't know if I should describe it. Uh, we've got. Uh, we've it's got. It's just the headphones. We've got splitter. a he- headphone it's, splitter it's that we should probably uh, get a new yeah, one. Those things are yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, mine, you know, it's been fine most of the time. And then at one point I was like, oh, crap, we've lost Davey. Well, um, yeah, I think that's it. We could probably this is this is what's funny about the Irishman is the fact that it is three and a half hours long and you it probably requires a longer conversation to dive into everything. But we're going to end it here. We're going to thank Davey. Thank Michael Bonmiller for the wonderful music. Yes. Yes. Thank you for the wonderful music. Thank you. Uh, also from me, Davey, thank you. And from our listeners who I'm sure, uh, would be grateful if they knew what this episode would have been like without you. Absolutely. (laughs) Thanks for having me. I always like, uh, an opportunity to talk about movies with cool people. And so, uh, thanks for having me. I hope you one day get that opportunity. (laughs) Um, So with that, we will remind everyone once again to remember to love movies like a nerd and respect them like a critic. But also, because this is an off-the-shelf episode, (laughs) to collect movies like a nerd uh, and rewatch them like a critic. And cut. 